as we get into God's Word this morning, we'll be in John 3, uh, verses 1 to 21. And in John 3, uh, we see this interaction between us, a man named Nicodemus, uh, and he, he goes to Jesus and he begins to ask him some questions. Now, who, who was Nicodemus? Uh, if we look at Nicodemus, we see a couple things. He was a Pharisee, so he was a Jewish religious leader. Um, he was serious, very serious about his faith. He was a strict law follower. He was well-educated and highly looked up to by those around him. He was even part of the Sanhedrin, which was a Jewish governing body. Nicodemus would have been the poster boy for Jewish faith. And from the people's perspective, he would have been the best candidate for one who God would be pleased with, who uh, God would approve of. And so that's also why he was a perfect example for Jesus to have a conversation with about this concept of being born again. As we read from God's Word this morning, we find this amazing truth. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Those who see God's kingdom are not those who are just nice, but those who are made new. And Nicodemus thought that he could be nice enough to get into God's kingdom. But Jesus said, that's not how it works. Quite timely, actually, uh, us as a leadership, as a, a deacon's board, um, we're going through this book called Conversion, just Conversion. It's a small little yellow book. It's one of the Nine Marks book by Michael Lawrence. Um, and so far, we've just gone through the intro in the first chapter, but it has been chock full of just amazing theology of understanding what the Bible talks about conversion. You know, what does it mean to truly be saved, to truly follow Christ? See, we've come across this issue of new versus, uh, newness versus niceness. And uh, we're focused more really on human work than God's regenerative work. See, churches need to believe that God makes people radically new. Not just nice, better people. And we can't just say that, but actually truly live it out. And so this book uh, talks about how nice, nice is appealing, though. And that's why it so easily infects the way that we live our lives and the way that we follow Christ. Niceness is all focused on self. And who doesn't like feeling good about themselves? Who doesn't like talking about themselves? Commending yourself to others and even to God. You know, you're self-justified. It's an optimistic view of humanity. <clears throat> That you're able to be good. You're able to be good enough. That God will accept you and love you as you do that, and religion will help you to be better. Not perfect, but and not holy, but good enough. We are only human after all. But this nicest mindset is, is hard to spot because it comes so naturally in our flesh. Uh, but that theology continues to affect our practices in the church as well. And so we're beginning to see just this moralistic kind of viewpoint of how one is to uh, go about living for God. But the reality is, is when the church looks like the world, and when the world can copy what we're doing, and at times even actually do it better than us, we're doing something wrong. The term born-again Christian really needs to be redeemed to the essentials and non-negotiables that Jesus lays out 
within this chapter of how one is born again and what it means to be born again. That is a change that can only come about through the powerful, regenerative, life-giving work of God. So let me pray as we get into God's Word this morning. Heavenly Father, may we stand in awe of you, of your holiness, your majesty, your power as we read from your Word this morning. God, your word is truth, and may we see it rightly as that, God. Lord, grant us a hunger for your word, for your truth. God, help us to submit to your truth and guide us in wisdom and understanding that we would know the meaning of this text and how it points us to Christ. God, increase our love for you and for one another. Help us to apply this passage to our lives today, that we would be challenged, that we'd be changed by your word, God, the working of your spirit, that we would be obedient followers of Christ. Lord, help me to preach your word with boldness and gentleness, that you will be center, that you will be glorified as you continue to save and sanctify your people. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So if you haven't already, turn to John 3. Chapter 3, and we're starting in verse 1, going all the way to uh, verse 21. Let me read that for us this morning. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. It's the word of the Lord. 
So we see this man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and he comes to Jesus. He approaches Jesus and makes this remark, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. You see, Nicodemus was inspired by Jesus' miracles and signs. And this was actually the case for a lot of people. They believed in the signs that Jesus did, but they didn't necessarily believe in who Jesus was. And what's interesting is we actually see this said in verses just prior to this account. So in John 2, 23 to 25, it says, Now when he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. And so it's interesting because it says that they believed, but what did they really believe in? This is a reality that we will see throughout the Gospel of John. People believed in Jesus, but more because of the signs that he did and did not see the deeper issue of their own sin. And therefore did not see that need for Jesus as their Savior, and not just a temporary fix to their physical world problems. They saw the glory of the signs, but not the glory of Jesus, the Lamb of God who was going to take away the sins of the world. Or the need for a Savior to actually see the kingdom of God. They saw Jesus as an immediate aid, a band-aid to some of their physical issues, but not the cure to their sin disease. But Jesus knows the heart. And Jesus knew Nicodemus' heart. See, Nicodemus is not quite certain who Jesus really is. He believes God sent Jesus and that God was with Jesus, but is Jesus God? Getting right to the heart of the matter, Jesus doesn't beat around the bush at all. And Jesus' wisdom and patience and perfect timing, his obedience to God's will, he replies with, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm sure Nicodemus' jaw just dropped. Jesus once again leaves his audience with something amazing, something unheard of. You must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot be in God's presence. You cannot know God. You cannot be his child. You cannot be in his kingdom. Admission to get in is to be born again. This is like if you went to a theme park and you asked how much to get in. And they said, oh, we don't need you. We need someone completely different. We need someone else. I'm sure you would probably start a riot. You'd probably start an argument. You'd probably say, that doesn't make sense. How on earth could I be someone else? Matt 2.0, that doesn't make sense. As I'm sure uh, Nicodemus hasn't recalled anyone being born for a second time, Nicodemus questions, and a fair question, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? A very fair question As I too would ask, how? What do you mean, Jesus? If someone said, I need to be born again, I'm sure you along with me would all be thinking of the literal, physical birth of a human being. Now, I don't remember being born, but I will speak for myself and for my mother in saying I would not like to go through that again. You get that sense of utter confusion and defeat from Nicodemus at this point, and fair enough, giving what he has just heard. He's thinking, is this even possible? And I'm sure that you've actually been there before. 
I remember in high school, I tried out for the soccer team. Uh, and they, in, in the trials, there's basically just a bunch of physical conditioning. So running, push-ups, sit-ups. We ran through the hallways. Um, it was a lot of hard work. Um, but I really wanted to be on the team, so I gave it 110%. Um, when the other players were, like, complaining or goofing off and not doing what they were supposed to, I just kept going. I really wanted to prove that I was good enough to be on the team. Um, I made it through a couple cuts. Um, they had cut a few people, but I was still on the team. But by final cut, I looked at the list, and my name was not on there. I, I, was, I was defeated. Because I thought, if I gave enough effort, if I put enough work in, that I would make it on the team. And I'm sure Nicodemus felt that exact same thing. He had committed his life to studying God's word, to doing what God has called him to. He was that poster boy for the Jewish faith. Everyone was looking up to him. If anyone was going to say, he's the one who's going to be in God's kingdom, they would point to Nicodemus. And then Jesus comes with this anvil and just puts this weight upon Nicodemus. To get into God's kingdom, you must be born again. I'm sure a lot of us have faced Situations that seem impossible to accomplish or overcome. Maybe a sin in your life that you've been battling. Maybe relationships with your family or friends that just seem so broken that they can't be mended. Or even this pandemic that seems to not have an end date at all, uh, and you're not sure if you can handle another Zoom call. Like Nicodemus, in our flesh, we see only that of fleshly solutions. When he heard what Jesus said, he was like, I can't be born again. There's no way. And we can just easily look at things as impossible. If you also feel what Jesus is saying seems impossible, then that is good because you'd be correct. In our strength, in our flesh, in what Jesus is saying, that is impossible. But thankfully, Jesus doesn't leave Nicodemus there. He continues to point to a God who works in the impossible. Knowing Nicodemus' confusion, Jesus elaborates more. Jesus answered, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So what is Jesus saying here? Well, if you haven't already guessed, no, we don't need to be physically born again. Uh, Thank goodness, because that would be disturbing and traumatizing. Uh, But also because that doesn't actually fix the problem that Jesus is trying to get Nicodemus to see. Although it sounds like an obvious statement, we are born of flesh, so we are flesh. But Jesus says we need to be born of the Spirit. So don't be in shock about being told you must be born again. Because there is a solution to that. This is a different sort of birth. It's a regenerative birth, a new birth that spiritually happens to us. But why is Jesus saying this is a must, that we actually need this? Well, the Bible tells us we're dead in our sins, fully turned and against a holy God. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. In Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. 
In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. Are you feeling the weight now? Thinking that you can be made redeemed, paid for, forgiven, and justified, made right before God, by trying to just be a better person, by being a nice person, is like owing someone a billion dollars, handing them a bag of dirt, and saying we're even, right? Right? It doesn't add up. It doesn't work. No one would go for that. We can't pay the price that our sins cost except with eternal punishment in hell. And it's what we deserve for our sins. The reality is our very nature, our heart, is sinful and we will continue to sin in the prideful and selfish ways that are, that, are, that are of that nature. We are born into. And we, when we try our best to be nice to God, we've really chosen ourselves. And apart from God, there is no hope for a different outcome. We need a spiritual regeneration that Jesus says only comes from being born of water and spirit. It's pointing to our weakness and our inability for true restorative interchange when it comes to our sins. He's talking about something we have no ability to do, something that can't be done apart from God himself enacting upon us. It's something we can't even fully comprehend, hence why Jesus used such physical metaphors to teach Nicodemus. But he's saying, don't be confused by this phrase of being born again, because it will happen. The Spirit will move. The Spirit will make people be born again. But it's like the wind, and we don't know where and when it will blow. But we are called to be faithful, to trust in the mysterious work of God's Spirit in the salvation of believers, and continue to be faithful in proclaiming the good news of the gospel, that God is making people new through Christ by the Spirit. And let the Spirit do the work that we have no power or control over. See, God's kingdom is made up of people radically made new, not just nice people. Because anyone could be nice. But he makes them radically new through new birth in water and spirit. <clears throat> but how can that happen? How can we really be born again? Thankfully, Nicodemus asked that question for us, and Jesus continues. How can we actually be born again? In verses 9 uh, all the way to 17, Jesus reveals the amazing plan that God has had of how he's going to bring about a new people regenerated by the Spirit. Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can these things be? Again, another great question. Jesus continues, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. See, Jesus is talking of things that are right in Scripture, that are given to us and revealed to us by God. Right in the thing that Nicodemus has committed his life to study and follow, and yet he is so confused. But 
unlike Jesus, Nicodemus does not truly know God, does not have the Spirit's power and illumination, was not with the Father and Spirit before all time, did not descend to earth as a babe born of the Virgin Mary, who was conceived by the Spirit. Jesus is pointing to his deity in this part. The deity we see in John 1, in the very beginning of this gospel, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Jesus is saying, to know of how one is to be born again, to understand what it means to be born of water and the Spirit, to know that this was God's plan and will all along, is revealed to us by his very Word to us. First Peter 1, verse 23 to 25 says this, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. And verse 25, and this is the word, the good news that was preached to you. So, to understand this, let's look at Scripture. Let's look at what Jesus is saying by being born of water and spirit. What is really happening when we are born again? How is this to be? Ezekiel 36, 24 to 27 reads, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in the statutes and be careful to obey my rules. We see God acting. We see God cleansing with water all uncleanliness. From the idols of sin that we once worshipped, making his chosen people pure and holy. But also God giving a new heart, a new flesh, as well as a new spirit. His Spirit, helping His people live as He has called them to. This all acted by God. And so what Jesus means when He says being born again is this. It's a regeneration, an inner cleansing, a renewal of the human nature by the Holy Spirit. Like John's baptism, John the Baptist's baptism in water, it was one of pointing to repentance. One of pointing to a a cleaning. A repenting of your sins. And then Jesus he called out, Jesus is the one who baptizes with the Spirit, one of regeneration. So Jesus is saying we need both repentance and regeneration if we are to be born again, if we are to truly be in the kingdom of God, if we are to be made new. It's enacted and completed through the work of God. If there is no repentance, if there is no regeneration, Jesus is clear, you won't enter the kingdom of God. There is no other way except through him. Hence why seeing our sin and our flesh and our inability to satisfy God's wrath on our sins points us to repent and rest on the saving work of Christ. As we are cleansed and made holy, man's spiritual condition is transformed from one of sin to one of a new relationship with God. Both reception of new life, moral restoration, and the newness of life in Christ— It's not brought about by our own works, by our own human-gained righteousness. It's brought on by God, by a repentance brought on by the gracious act of God. It destroys our pride as we humbly approach God's throne of grace, 
recognizing our sinful ways and asking forgiveness and turning from that sin. It's a change of heart, a changed action, a changed mind towards our old life and flesh. It's not fixing what we've got. It's making it completely new. Because we were dead in our sins to the very core. But God makes us completely new and alive in Him. Because our sin issue isn't solved by just being a nicer person. See, even in Nicodemus' caliber, like we said, he was high up there. His knowledge, his status, he was still in need of something to enter the kingdom of God. Something he couldn't obtain on his own. And I'm definitely not at Nicodemus' level. So why would I have hope of trying to work my way into God's kingdom? We need God and his spiritual power to make us new, to make us set us apart, to make us holy. Because alone man cannot do it. But is this not the change that we strive for as humans, that we truly need? You see it constantly throughout the world, don't you? Of people keep making changes to try and just find a better life. You know, ask any human, I'm sure they'll say something that they want to change about themselves. If they really look deep down. The issue Jesus is pointing forward is that by our own power, by our own flesh, the change our souls truly crave and desire is unobtainable. You cannot reach it. And yet we insist we can change We make changes in our appearance, in our personalities, changes in our diet, in our schedule, in our hobbies. We make changes in our identity, and we meet yet again the emptiness and longing for a deeper fulfillment and a deeper life. We keep hitting that wall. And so you hear the longing of Nicodemus when he asks, how can these things be? Because he, this is what he's been striving for. And when he heard he couldn't get it, he wanted to know, how he could actually get it. When he heard he couldn't get it on his own, when he heard that he needed to be born again, he needed to know how. This is what he's been looking for. And so now that we understand this change, that this change is a must, and what this change is, how is it then received? Jesus continues with how being born again is actually possible. How do we actually receive this regeneration? How do we receive what Jesus is calling us to in being born again. And Jesus points to himself. If you need this change, which isn't really a question because we all need this change, then look nowhere else than Christ. In verse 14 and 15 it says, As Moses was lifted up, the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What Jesus is talking about is this account in Numbers 21, verse 9. And it talks about how, uh, while they were in the wilderness, the Israelites were complaining Surprise, surprise, as they often do when things are going bad. Uh, And God sends these serpents, and if anyone got bit, they would die. Uh, as, As a punishment for their sins, as a punishment for going against God and Moses saying, why did you take us out of Egypt? We would have been better there. 
But then Israel turns back to God and confesses their sins and repents. Uh, and God tells Moses to put up uh, a snake on a pole, a statue of a snake on a pole. Um, and whoever looks at that snake would not die and would be saved, would be healed. See, Nicodemus would probably understood that story. He would have recognized that that was in God's word. But I don't think the concept of what Jesus was actually saying was understood until that time that he saw Jesus on the cross, hanging there, and people looked to him. His Christ crucified on the cross, lifted up, and I'm sure this conversation with Jesus came back to Nicodemus' mind as a better understanding of these words that his Lord and Savior told him. That he must also be lifted up, that people may look upon Jesus and be saved. Saved from sins. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And so how can this be, Nicodemus asked? Because God so loved overflowing, abounding, deep, vast, endless love. And we are shown that it's through Christ's sacrifice that this new birth is accomplished as he is lifted up on the cross. And we look to him in faith and belief that he is the one that we need, our true Savior. Our sins like the snakes reap death in the world, but God in his love made a way to save those who believed and to be forgiven through Christ who died for them. Jesus became the symbol of our sin just like that statue of the snake. Raised up on the cross like the snake on a pole, these, those called by his name who look to him in repentance and faith as their Lord and Savior will not perish for their sins, but be saved unto eternal life. Their sins atoned for. Salvation earned through the accomplished work of Jesus' sacrifice, his life and death. They'd be justified, forgiven, and regenerated life by the Spirit. Adopted into God's family as his children, brought into the kingdom of God. And it's not just for the Jews, but for anyone who believes in him, Jew or Gentile. The important fact, though, that Jesus makes is it's for those who believe. Those who truly believe are made new. New in repentance and regeneration of their hearts by the Spirit through Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So how do you know if someone is born again? We don't fully know. We can't know someone's heart like Jesus knew someone's heart. But is there a repentance? Is there a regeneration? Is there a newness in their life by the Spirit. Because these are the non-negotiables of true conversion. Unless someone is made new, no amount of niceness is going to get them into the kingdom of God. Being made new will lead you to live in the light of Christ. No longer in darkness, but alive in the light. And so as we end in that last little account that Jesus is saying in verse 18 to 21, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, 
lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And so this leads us to the simple answer of that question of really knowing those who, who believe who are born again is how do they respond to the light? Jesus came to create a new people, those who are called by God into the light, into righteousness. And we see the working of those who are saved Those who have true faith and belief in the Son of God no longer thrive in that darkness, no longer want to be in that darkness. They repent of their sins. They turn away from their sins. And they seek to live in the light of Christ. It's a movement from death to life, from dark to light, from sin to righteousness that is only enacted by the work of God, by the sacrifice of Christ and the regeneration of the Spirit. They must be born again. They must be made new. But when they're made new, they will live in that light of Christ. You can't have a true converted Christian who continues to live in the darkness. It's a paradox. It doesn't work. We see see that throughout 1 John as it recounts time and time again that if one is to truly know God, if one is to truly love God, they will continue to practice righteousness. They'll continue to live and love God as he has loved them. They continue to live and love one another. Everyone who's been born of God, 1 John 5, 4 says, overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. They're no longer serving self, right? That appeal of niceness is that you can point to yourself. We see at the very end of this is that they live so that God's work can be clearly shown. They point to him. They glorify him. No longer living for themselves, but in confession and repentance, rejoicing in the unending grace of our Lord, continuing to grow in Christ-likeness. Churchgoers who lives that are undistinguishable from the world, who sin as much as the world without any sense of repentance, and sacrifice for others as little as the world, and embrace injustice as readily as the world, and covet things as greedily as the world, and enjoy God ignoring entertainment as enthusiastically as the world. When the term born again is used to describe these professing Christians, it's really elevating just the self-identity over Christ. In Christ we are made new. The old has passed away and the new has come. As one truly in Christ, you are in the light, never going back to that darkness, not cast it out, no longer playing in the mud. You've been called and atoned for, Christ's work accomplished on the cross for your salvation. And so don't hear what I'm not saying, though. I'm not saying that a Christian won't struggle, that a Christian won't fight against sin, that they'll never sin again in this time. But fighting against sin and wrestling against sin and coming to repentance to God is a lot different than full out giving in to the sin and accepting and even endorsing that sin and allowing personal feelings and agendas to dictate truth over God's word. Thinking that we can just work our way to God's kingdom. The Bible calls us to deny ourselves, to be a living sacrifice, to find our new identity in Christ, no longer finding identity and purpose and worth in these other things, but in Christ and Christ alone.
So I ask again, how do you react to the light? It's a telling thing to what you truly believe of the Son of God who came and died on the cross to be raised up that those who believe and look to him would be made new. And so the big thing that we see from this passage is to be in God's kingdom of light, saved from condemnation, you must be born again, made new, which is only possible through, the, through faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is great news. This is amazing news. That in our desperate longing, desires for true life, we can find it in Christ. We can be made new. But are we truly living as new people changed by God? Or are we just living as nice people? Because I've been, I've been there. I've been in Nicodemus' shoes. I, I grew up in the church. I did all the right things that a churchgoer, that a Christian should do. But if I was honest with myself, I could see that pride just swelling up in me. That desire to justify myself, to make excuses for why I struggled in, in certain sins, um, to think that I could in some way work my way into God's good books. But Jesus is clear that it is only through those who are born again, who are made new in him, through faith in him, will they, that they will be the ones who see the kingdom of God. And so do we truly see conversion biblically as what God reveals to us in his word? Do we realize that God wants to make you new? To make others new and not just nicer people? That you would live and point to him for all the work that he has done, living to worship and glorify him? I pray that this passage helps you to understand that deeper. And if you haven't given that, uh, seen that need of your, of your own uh, sin and the need for Christ to come and restore your life to make you new, then I pray <clears throat> that you would talk to someone about that, that you'd look to God's word to understand that more. And I pray that you would make that, uh, to, to heed that call of, of the Spirit, to put faith in Christ, to know that there's no other way to be saved from our sins except through him, through his life and death and resurrection. I pray this passage helped you to understand more deeply what it means to be made new, to be born again. And that you continue to wrestle through it, that you look at this passage again. And if you want, try and get a hold of one of those copies of the conversion book. Uh, it's a great, it was a great help to me to understand even more of what God is calling us to as followers of him. So I pray that as a church, we would allow the theology that we have of conversion to uh, lead us to do what God has actually called us to as new people. So often we can condemn the world's sin more than our own. We can have songs and, and prayers just of God's blessing and praise and, and not of confession and repentance. We can, be have, you know, we can be so focused on things that just make us feel better, make us feel good about ourselves, make us feel like we're doing the right thing. We can describe our sins as mistakes. We can have Bible stories that just teach kids to be good. 
rather than pointing them to a Savior that they need. And so I pray that as you continue to wrestle through this passage, that you would rest on the fact that to be in God's kingdom of light, you must be born again. You must be made new. Which is only possible through faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word to us as we reflect upon, God, what you have called us to. And that is to be made new. And God, that is not done by anything that we can accomplish on our own works, on our own strength, on our own power. God, it is done through Christ. God, who gives us the Spirit, who generates our hearts. God, who takes our hearts of stone and makes them a heart of flesh. God, who forgives us of our sin, who makes us holy and right before you. God, these things cannot be done on our own. God, we cannot be made new on our own. So, Heavenly Father, God, I pray that as people wrestle through this passage, as they look to their own lives, God, that they would see that deep need for you. God, if they uh, are just feeling that that call and need to, to confess and repent, God, I pray that they would do that. They would come to you, knowing, God, that your arms are wide open with love and grace for those who come to you, God. Your heart is for them. God, that is who you are. God, you desire to see people saved. God, see people made new. And God, we know that your promise is not that this life will get better. But God, we know that we will be made new in you. And God, we look to the hope of a new uh, life lived out for you. God, of a new purpose. And God, eternal life spent with you in your glory, praising your name in heaven. God, we look forward to that day, and I pray that it helps us to continue to fight and persevere as we seek to be a people made new by you. God, not just nice, but made new. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.